Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief for recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Hey guys, and welcome to Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. My name is Jack McLean. I'm the host, and tonight on the show... Super excited to have Hal Marsden join us as our guest. Hal is the current head strength and rehabilitation coach at the Western Force. Prior to Western Force, he was head of performance at his training. That's where I was lucky enough to meet the great man. And he was performance and rehab coach at Melbourne Storm for seven years, uh, where they had heaps of success during that time. Uh, and prior to that, he was a former pro athlete. Before we start this episode, for those that are new to the podcast, our mission here is to empower aspiring athletes and staff with practical knowledge from some of the industry's most inspiring individuals and to strengthen the AFL community. So if you like the show, please show your support by following us on Instagram and subscribing to the podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. Welcome, Hal. Thanks for jumping on, mate. Well, thank you very much. Lovely to chat. Let's, uh, let's dive into the beginning of your your career, um, as I mentioned in the intro, you're, you're a pro athlete. Um, take us through uh, the sport that you're playing and, and um, the journey that it took to, to get to the professional level. Yeah, so I was lucky enough to get signed out of school um, and tried to, yeah, tried to play professional rugby union for a couple of seasons in, in the UK. But I was trying to balance playing professional sport and being a student at the same time. And being a, I'd come, kind of come from a been a big fish in a very small pond and then suddenly went into the professional realms where you're a very small fish in a very big pond. I thought, yeah, it just happened and it'd be fine. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't realise that uh, I'd just got my foot in the door and I thought, oh, this might be all right. Uh, I'll be fine. But then, no, I was totally wrong. And I tried to burn the candle at both ends and tried to go out and party and drink and then try and play footy at the same time. It just didn't work out. And I ended yep. up getting injured, getting sick definitely not playing my best sport. So then I kind of had to go with the decision of, all right, do I try and just do sport or just do footy? And I was like, right, oh, so just do sport or just do uni? Yeah. And I thought, I'm just going to go to university, get my degree first, focus on that, because I reckon I was playing at a, a decent level, but I don't know whether I would have ever earned enough to make a, a decent living. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'll try and get my degree first just in case something happens. It's rugby union, there's a lot of injuries, a lot of career-ending injuries that happen quite often, I get my degree and I'll go back and play. And then I, I got my undergrad degree and I loved the educational side of it and I loved the, the training aspect and, and learning. So I thought I'll, I'll go on and do my master's. So I moved to London, uh, did my master's there and then moved to Australia. Yeah. And I haven't really gone back to playing since. I just love that coaching side of it. And for me, the, the coaching side and the still being in that environment has been, has been brilliant. And that's what I really enjoy. And I don't think... I do miss playing, but uh, I don't think I would have had as much success in my playing careers uh, I've had so far coaching. Yeah. And did you know that like before you started the degree that you had a passion for the fitness industry or did you discover that as you were studying? Yeah, I just really enjoyed training. That was where the, the, my passion sort of started from. Just that training aspect was, uh, was really fun for me and I enjoyed learning about it and knowing more about it. And Sometimes I'm the opposite to most people. The training for me sometimes got in the way. Uh, the games sometimes for me got in the way of training. And I just did a lot just being in the gym and, and doing all that side of things. And the game came secondary, which 
it's probably not when you're when you're playing. That's not what you you play for. It's for the love of playing for the weekend. Whereas I was, I had, it was a bit the opposite. And just didn't, I love training. And how did you get into the sport? Um, how did you get into footy, rugby? How, like, was it through family? Is it a tradition that um, your dad played, or was it um, friends got you into the sport? Um, take us through how you started playing the sport. Uh, yeah, that was I started playing at eight years old. Uh, that yeah. was by chance. I was going over to a, a mate's house one day, primary school, and he was down at rugby training first. And so I went down there before going to his house, and they said, "Oh, come and come and try." And that was one Sunday morning, and then that was it. I never, never looked back. I love the game, love playing it, love the, the contact element of it. Um, it was, it was brilliant. Loads of fun, loads of camaraderie. Teaches you loads of good skills around everything. Um, yeah. Played a lot of soccer as well, but being a palm, that's palm parcel. Growing up, you got to play, got to play football. Yeah, I think I get laughed, get laughed at quite a lot when I still try and punt the ball properly out of hand by anyone who's played AFL. They'll just, they'll pull me up pretty quick and go, "Geez, you." You kick a ball like a pop. <laughs> yeah, the difference term of, of footy here, isn't it, than uh, in England? <laughs> yeah, very much, very much. Um, you, you mentioned a love for training and having a passion for fitness and, and yeah, loving the, the training side of things and the preparation side of things of, of elite sport um, and, and how you had success early days and then there were some challenges at the professional highest level with juggling life balance of social life and, and uni and, and rugby. Looking back now, would there be, like for an athlete that might be going through that now, like would there be anything that you would do differently with the experiences and skill sets that you have and, it, you know, that you've, you've experienced working in elite sport? Um, if you were talking to your younger self uh, going through that passage, would there be any tools or, or things that you wish you, you knew? Well, massively. Yeah, I think I'd approach it very differently now. I think the talent will get you to the door, um, but the hard work will keep you there. And you've just got to be prepared to work harder than everybody else because you're, when you're playing at the elite level of any sport, there's so many people that are there and that are really, really good already. Yeah. And they're the same with any job, really. You've just got to outwork everybody else. Whereas I just thought it happened that an naive 18-year-old going out of school going, yeah, sweet, I've, I've done it, I've made it, this is all I need to do, I'll just turn up and it'll happen. Mm. But that's not the case at all. You've got to make it happen. You've got to have that drive to work really, really hard and have constantly in the back of your head going, well, someone else is coming for my position. How am I improving? How am I getting better? And how am I stopping them from getting my job, essentially? Yeah. So I think, yeah, you've got to just, you've got to be prepared to outwork everybody else and whatever that takes and whether whether you have the tools for it or not, go and seek out someone that does and seek out help to be the best version of you that you can. Um, don't rely on anyone else to open a door and make it happen. You've got to go and fight for it and make it happen yourself. Yeah, and, and we'll, we'll touch on the coaching side of things because obviously that's um, where you've spent majority of your career. But I think for the athletes listening, it, it'd be, it wouldn't do us justice to, to talk about you as the athlete first and then we'll go into the coaching. So um, sticking with the, with the athlete side, like um, performance, you've got to sort of see it like what you're saying. You've got to understand what hard work means and what it looks like. And when you are 18, it's only natural to be naive um, when you haven't seen it and been in that environment. So is it fair to say with what you've, with working as a coach, being involved in Melbourne Storm and a successful coach that has, you recognise like, shit, there's, there's another level that I'd even, I wasn't even aware of when I was 18. Is that sort of? Oh, oh so much, so much so. And you, you can do it, you can go to a certain, a certain level 
but then that's why the elite level is the elite level because you get taken to places that you, and worked harder than you've ever done before. Yeah. And you get coached by better people and you, you've got to be accountable in a different way. Mm. Um, a lot of the time you could be younger at school or whatever team you're in and you can be treated uh, a bit differently because sometimes you know, you're, you're probably one of the better players in the team and you're treated as such. Whereas you suddenly turn up into the professional environment and you're a nobody and no one cares. And I think first impressions count for so much. And if you don't go in with the right headspace and you don't go in for, with the right preparation for say your first preseason, if you rock up and you're, you do poorly in the fitness tests, you come and your skin folds are poor. You know, those first initial judgments that the coaches are making and the SNC staff are making, um, you know, they they can either hold you in really good stead mm. or can, can damage your personal reputation a little bit. And it takes a long time to, to change that and, and fix it. So they see you in a different light. Yeah. You want to give yourself the best chance early on and just go in as ready as you can be. Yeah. And for the, for the athletes listening that I've, um, what would hard work look like? Like if you're trying to, if you're running a workshop with young athletes, 16, 17, 18 year olds, no matter what the sport, what would, um, that are listening into this podcast, what, what do you see hard work look like? What are, what are the, the best athletes do and, and how does, how does, what does hard work mean to them? Uh, it's in every, every situation really when, and we've all been there where you've got that little voice on your shoulder that's telling you to stop and telling you that it hurts and telling you that, uh, you can come back and do it tomorrow or we can do something else later. Um, telling that voice to fuck off and you've just got to push through and you've got to push yourself harder and, and go deeper into that little bit of pain and just be, pre- be prepared for whatever's going to be thrown at you and having that mental resilience and being able to push through those, those difficult times because you're going to have them. Everyone's going to have them at different times and, again, in any, in any walk of life, but you've got to be prepared to, to battle that and be mentally tough enough to go, no, I can do more than this. It's amazing what your body can do and you can always push it harder. Yeah. So it's just having that ability and learning where your limit is. Yeah. And, and you mentioned going back to your coaching career early days. So you mentioned um, you decided to pour all your energy into the coaching side of things and, and shift away from um, the athlete, so to speak. So what, what did that look like? Did you, you mentioned you moved to Australia. Was that um, had you done your masters already, or were you were you going to Australia with a job, or take us through your mindset back then? Uh, no, I just finished my degree, um, so I I found out. Oh, well, I went to see the lecturer after my my final exam and said, "Look, mate, I don't need to. <laughs> I don't need to know what grade I've got. But yeah. I've passed the rest of the modules. I just need to know from you: Have I passed? Have I failed? Because if I'm leaving for Australia next week, yeah. but <laughs> If I failed this module, I'll need to reset it in December. Uh, and if not, if I've passed, I can leave. So all I need is that uh, you've been okay, you can go or not. Yeah. And so that was a bit of a stressful time. But he said, yeah, it's okay, you can go. Yeah. Uh, but then, then, no, from uh, a moving point of view, I didn't have a job. I, I just finished it and I uh, met my uh, wife and we just started dating. So I said, I'll come for a gap year and come for a bit of an adventure and I packed a suitcase and left. But no, I didn't have a job lined up, didn't have any contacts here, didn't know anyone in Australia apart from her. Um, I was just coming oh, to love. See, yeah, see what it was like over, over in Australia. I've yeah. been uh, for a, a short period of time in 2015, no, 2005 it would have been, on a rugby tour. Yep. 
Uh, so I came briefly then and loved it. But I'd uh, never been to Melbourne. We didn't come to Melbourne on the team. But yeah, then just then just moved. And when I got here, I just sent out emails to every uh, AFL club and every and to the Rebels and to the Storm and just said, do you need an intern? I've, uh, here, this is what I've done. I've just finished my degree. Um, I don't need pain. I just want to get some experience. Uh, if anyone's got a job going, I'm happy to work. Um, and just yeah, try and gain some experience that way. And luckily enough, the storm got back to me and said, yeah. And I met their head of performance at the time, Alex Corvo, for a coffee. And he said, yeah, you can start with the, the 18s. So I was like, right, sweet. That's, that's good for me. So I started off with them. Uh, did my first season with the 18s interning and then did the 18s job at the end of that year. And then whilst I was with the 18s, I worked with the 20s and then got the 20s job at the end of that year. And then whilst I was working with the 20s, worked with the NRL and then got the NRL job after that year and was with the NRL after that. Yep. So I'd, uh, I, was, I was fortunate with the timing of things and people who left ahead of me. Um, but uh, I worked pretty hard to get there and spent a long time, a lot of hours working for free and uh, learning and seeing other people work and, and what it takes um, to, to try and get there and progress up the tree. So, so now we'll tune into the, the essence, the strength and conditioning coaches that, are, that have got their notebook out. <laughs> so you, you finish your degree that you followed love. It's a great story. Uh, I know Taryn, I can see why. Uh, you're very lucky, mate. The better half, hey? You mm. made the right call there. So you moved to it down under and um, finished your master's, um, which, you know, you, you've got your uh, networking down pat there. So you've, you've got on the front foot and contacted the top of the top clubs. Um, why did why did you start there? What was your mindset? Why did you go straight to the top? Because again, naivety. I didn't know anybody else. Yeah. Um, I looked at Australia and went, All right, what do they do? They play AFL. They play rugby union, which I know, and they play rugby league, which I knew a bit of, but not a uh, whole heap. Yeah. And so I went, right. Well, I will try with them and then see if it works out at whatever whatever level. I didn't mind what yeah. it was, and and starting with the eighteens. Um, I think for any any young coach doing that, I don't think I wouldn't try and try and intern necessarily right at the top. You'll see some good stuff, um, but then it's hard to make mistakes when you're with the elite players because you know they're worth so much money and each game is so important. You can't afford to get players injured. So I think if you have a progression pathway through the younger ages or through uh, the VFL or anything in that space, you can almost afford to make mistakes, and that's where you can make a um, a few errors and then you can learn your craft and learn the way you want to do things because there's no point just copying and pasting someone else you've mm-hmm. got to learn what you want to do yes take ideas from other people but you've got to develop what you feel is right and coach the way you want to coach and be the person that that you want to be don't try and be anybody else yeah and yeah and uh yeah it's sound advice i mean your your system obviously worked quite well as well uh developed yourself into a, a good coach and, the, and like you said there was opportunity there with hard work to to keep progressing um and then for the snc's if, if you if you got knocked back so you would have gone to your state leagues and your community teams just to get that experience yeah absolutely and, i'd get yeah. it wherever I, wherever i could um yeah. and coach wherever i could and, uh, again if you can at different sports it helps as well because you're seeing a different skill set and a different way of doing things for um, different sports and it makes you think in a different way. But yeah. I think actually on, on that, in the, after that 20 season, I didn't have a job that year. So I didn't get taken on until uh, 2016. So that year before I worked there for free, 
And so that was just a, a voluntary one of going, well, I've got my foot in the door and I'm learning a lot. Mm. You know, I couldn't really put a price on what I was learning and going, well, I'm still going to look and develop. I'm still going to make sure that I'm, I'm improving as a coach. And Storm is such an awesome club and they do things really well. It's a great place to learn. And so being there, um, even though it was working for free, was, was definitely worth it. And it paid off in the long run. Yeah. But you just got to back yourself in. And that first step of, of emailing those clubs, was that Googling? Was it reaching out to mates like from home? Like how did you get that email list? Uh, a lot of it was, was luck. It was just trying to Google and, and find people online. Yeah. And just trying to work out uh, who was where and uh, who was the head of performance and, and what their email would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, emailing them and reaching out. And then the storm one I couldn't get. I ended up having to speak to a friend of a friend of a friend who played and managed to get the email um, of the guy through that. But yeah. It was, uh, yeah, again, very fortunate. It was, we just met at a cafe and just had a chat. It was a promise of absolutely nothing. It was just meeting for a chat. And I just said, look, if there's anything going, I'd love to take it, uh, whatever it is. And he said, yep, yeah, you can uh, start with the 18s. And then it kind of progressed from there. So I'll never be forever in his debt for, for Corbs um, for giving me the start. And you mentioned, yeah, Alex, uh, are there any other influencers or mentors that have helped shape your career? Yeah. Again, through my time at Storm, I've been very lucky to, to work with some amazing coaches. Um, there's probably five that I regularly consult and, and stay in contact with. So the first one's Dean Benson. So he, he's the head of Rugby Australia. And so he, he oversees the whole of their uh, performance for all their teams. And he's a, he worked with me in Melbourne and he's a really, he's a really great one to bounce ideas off. Um, pretty intimidating at times. He's a very smart bloke, but it's, uh, he's a, he's a great one to, to talk through ideas with. He's seen a lot, um, and a lot of different sports and a lot of different levels. Um, so he really knows his stuff. Yep. Uh, the next one would be Lockie Penfold. So he was my head of performance whilst I was at Storm as well. Similarly, he's everywhere he's been, he's had massive success. Uh, he's been at the Roosters, he's been Brisbane Lions, he's been Golden State Warriors, Australia Sevens, he's been everywhere. Um, his premierships in Storm in the last few years. Yeah, he's a, uh, an amazing operator as well. Um, works in a very similar way to Dean. But uh, whilst my time under him, he was kind of my head of performance for the longest. And so I learned an awful lot from him and I still speak to him regularly. You know, if I need to make decisions or I'm, you know, I've read something and don't quite understand it and need to talk to him about that. Uh, so, yeah, still speak to him. Uh, the other one would be uh, Adam Basil. So he was the speed and conditioning coach, again, at, at the Storm. Uh, so he is an ex-Olympian. He ran the 2008 Beijing Olympics and is a, um, a speed coach and conditioning coach now, and he's phenomenal. He's just gone back to Melbourne. Uh, he's yeah, he's uh, so so good at his craft. He's a great one to again talk to. Technical knowledge, uh, programming knowledge, just career pathway knowledge. He's he's a great one that I speak to regularly, or just as a good friend as well. Then Dan De Pasqua, so he, he's the head strength coach at Storm. He's been there forever. So he's he's very very good. And from a, a strength and power point of view, he's a really good one to bounce ideas off. And he's probably my direct mentor and probably the one I spent most time with at Storm. Um, so as well as being a good friend, he's just a, he's a great guy. He's a great um, coach and a lot of really 
good traits, both from a knowledge point of view and a coaching point of view. Yep. He's one that the way he builds rapport with players and the relationship he has with them and how he can get people to work for him uh, is, is fantastic. So he's a, a great guy to watch and learn from as well as talk to and learn from. And then probably the last one who's a, a mentor in a slightly different way. And he's, uh, I speak to him a lot just for coaching expertise and career advice. He's Neil Craig. And I got put onto him through, uh, through the storm um, and through some of the guys that knew him there. And I was looking for a mentor and looking for someone to sort of guide my career and give me some advice on what I should do and where I should go and how I should do things. And yeah, I've been working with him for the past couple of years and he's fantastic. His advice is invaluable because again, he's he's been everywhere. He's seen lots of different sports. He's done lots of different things and he's a tough coach, very high standards as as they all are. Um, So he's a great one to to learn from as well. And with those five, (laughs) I try and speak to regularly and make sure that I'm staying on the right track and I'm doing the right thing because experience counts for so much. You can learn loads in a book, but uh, the experience of other people and who've seen it and done it and made mistakes and gone, well, this will work and this won't work. It, uh, it really helps. Yeah, absolutely. And for, for those that are listening in um, that may not have a, a mentor, um, it sounds like it's something that you've been quite deliberate about in your approach and, and as your career's grown, you've, you've built a strong network. Um, how does it? How do you go about building that form of a relationship? Is it is it the same as making a mate, or is it a bit different when you've when you're built, forming a, a sort of mentor relationship? Um, I'd say it's a, it's a little bit different in the sense that uh, some of them the sessions are uh, were paid for. So Neil, I paid for his time yeah. because I you know needed a, a service gen- generally from him. So it was going to him talking about certain topics. Um, and yeah, he charged for his time because that's only fair, really. Yeah. And the same with some of the others. Like if you're sharing all that knowledge that they've put years of time and effort and um, they've done all the work to get there, then I didn't mind paying for, for time with people. Yeah. But then I know some, some uh, people don't, some people do, but I don't mind investing myself if it's going to make me better. So yeah. I'll go and seek out good people and people that I think are going to help me get to where I need to go. And if I need to invest in myself, then that's what you need to do, I think. Um, yeah. But to, add, to answer your question, yes, it's, you need to build the relationship. It doesn't just happen and it can't just happen straight away. You need to build trust with that person and you need to develop a relationship. Absolutely. It can't just be, yeah, it can't just be nothing. Hmm. And with the paid service, um, would you go in with your own notes or do you go in do you email through what topics you want to discuss? Does the mentor have their agenda or are they take us through sort of the dynamic for, for an SNC that may not have paid for a mentor? What does a typical mm. session look like and, and how do you prepare for those sessions as well? Yeah, well, for me, I, I have to reflect and go, well, what do I want to improve? Because I just can't go, you can't just go to someone and go, well, give me knowledge, give me what you know. Because yeah. again, you can't be carbon copy of that person. You've got to be yourself. So you've got to do some personal reflection. And think about it, which can be tough sometimes because you've got to really think about, oh, what am I not very good at? Where do I need to improve? Where, where am I good and can still get better? But yeah. uh, what am I not good at? And where, do, where can I get better? And some of those conversations can be pretty brutal. And if you're with the right person, they'll tell you. And they'll yeah. tell you where you're going wrong and they'll tell you how to improve and they'll tell you you've got to shape up and do it properly. And you want someone, or I want someone to give me honest feedback of the areas I'm lacking. And so I... 
I look at myself, I write, write notes, and then I'll send that through and go, right, these are the questions I've got. Um, because, you know, they want, if you pay for the time, they'll put time into looking at them and giving you genuine answers. Yeah. And whether that's about programming, whether that's about coaching, um, whether that's about organization, whether that's about career pathway, whatever you're, you, you want to talk to someone about, mm-hmm. that's what I think, that's what I found works and what uh, has worked for me so far. And if you, I wouldn't go too broad with it. Again, you, you want to be pretty specific because you want to be really thinking about what you do and whether these sessions are an hour, an hour and a half, whatever they are. Go in with topics um, because it also shows them that you're not wasting their time. Yeah. You value their time as much as you're paying for it. You, you value what they're going to give you and you've thought about it and you're genuinely trying to improve and make yourself better. Yeah, it's intentional and there's care. Yeah, there's not just surface answers that you could find with a little bit of research. Yeah, so you want to get, dig deep on yourself and, and try and find out some, some good stuff. If anyone's thinking about uh, joining the Prepare Like a Pro Academy, I definitely recommend it ever since I've joined it a few months ago. I feel so much more motivated, more fitter, more stronger, more supportive as well. Some of the things he gets you, gets you doing is great for building up your capacity, muscle mass, injury prevention, everything you could need that you wouldn't even think of if you were making up your own plan. So Jackie's a nice fellow, he knows knows what he's doing, just flick him a message, he'll get you set up, no worries. He might even get you on to a few giveaways, a few free trials. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. And you mentioned that, like, not just focusing on your, your weaknesses, but also your strengths or areas that you need to improve on and areas that you uh, are more natural with, however you want to word it. If you, if you put a percentage on it, how, how much time would you say over your career have you spent more focusing on the areas you need to get better at or that you've been told are, areas you need to focus on and how much would you spend on time on the things that would probably get you employed at a club if that makes sense well tough question uh in the uh, well i find the problem with learning is the more i learn the more i realize i don't know yeah. so that just keeps growing and so yeah. i can just uh, i can keep learning forever as yeah. i think most people can but i think i think i probably neglected the stuff I'm good at and the stuff I'm interested in a little bit because I felt like I had to learn the other stuff. Mm. And, you know, learning, I find learning difficult, um, especially like reading. I'm dyslexic. Mm. And so I, I find just sitting down and reading a book really tough. And I, I struggle with that. And so I like to try and learn in, in different ways. But uh, I think I, I wanted to really focus on my coaching ability and how I coach and how I interact with players. Yep. And so that's an area that I neglected for a while, but then I went, well, no, this really interests me. Mm. So this is where I want to get better. So then I started putting more time into that. And uh, Craig Bellamy, the Storm head coach, he always said, you know, be, be great at what you're good at. If you are good, be, be great at that because that's what, you know, you're going to be there for. You can learn the other stuff and, yes, you want to improve your weaknesses as well. But if you're there for something, be great at that. Yeah. yeah. I think that's really important to do. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's such good advice great gems for, for those listening that are aspiring to to do what you've done um you know whether you're putting yourself out there and emailing clubs but then when you get that opportunity like you said work hard and um and, and you'll progress within the club with with that mindset um, but also that get better plan that you have uh, it's a good approach whether it be an athlete or a coach listening whatever you want to get better at having reflection and being deliberate 
and specific to the areas that you're focusing on. Would you have, with, with that, when you do your note-taking and you have a, a mentor session, um, are you doing that on a quarterly basis? Is there like your own personal yearly review, how some clubs do, or is it a bit more sort of organic? You go with areas that you feel maybe are the bottleneck of your coaching performance. You feel like, oh, that's really something that's a priority at the moment. I'm going to pour a lot of energy onto that and then move on to the next thing. Like, is it one thing at a time or is it more sort of a system? Uh, no, I didn't really have a system for it. I, I think for COVID was a, a big one for that, that when COVID first hit, I went, well, okay, well, work's down, so let's find a way to get better. And so I kind of tried to get my front foot, and I spoke to people most nights for the first, I don't know, few months from different sports, from soccer clubs to AFL clubs to union to league all around the world, um, different stuff and just talked about different things. Again, a lot of it was around rehab because that was the space I was in at the time but different ways and different methodologies of doing things. But, uh, yeah, I think it's – yeah, I, I like to talk to, to people. And that's the way I, I learn best. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've quite totally drifted away from your question. What was the question? No, that, that's, that's pretty much it. Like, it, is it – are you going off um, – like, it, you know, are you writing out, okay, next year I'm going to focus on these things, or is it more yeah. case by case? Like, you know, okay, this is right now at my job. This is something that's – um, I feel is lacking lacking my total performance, or or maybe your mentor has told that. So then you you speak to people that are really good at that. Is that how? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Not a whole thing. I've probably should be more structured, and I'd like to get more structured with with doing it. I think in the past I've been guilty of being caught up in in the season and in the the busyness of life. Yeah. And so sometimes it gets a bit neglected. And I think on reflection. For my time in the storm, I still could have got more out of that by by making sure I had sessions and I was proactive about going to do sessions with Lockie or with Dean when he was there or who, whoever, yeah. um, and seeking out advice and seeking out that people with their, that experience. And I think on reflection, I should have done more of that whilst I was there. And I think I will do more of that going forward and try and schedule it more and try and think about okay, well, when am I going to have this dedicated time to speak to people and do some self-reflection as well and making yeah. sure that I'm trying to fill the gaps in my knowledge as well as trying to improve on what I'm good at. Yeah, it's such a good point you make. I think that all coaches listening in would resonate with that because we're passionate about what we do um, and we've usually got other things going on in life outside of our work as well. So you can easily, mm. I'm sure that resonates with people listening, you can get caught up with all the noise and the busyness of, uh, of city life. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good um, you know, good thing that you touched on about not just uh, developing others around you with athletes, but as a coach, actually developing yourself too and prioritizing that is um, is awesome to see, mate. So, what about for the challenges in your career? What, what's a, what's a huge challenge that you've gone through, and and what how did you grow from it? I think it was uh, probably that year that I didn't get paid was probably one of the hardest times uh, because I was I had to take the punt on myself and go, well, I'm not getting paid. I've got to work and still get some money, yep. but I've got to show that I'm still, I still want to be at the club. And I still, you've got to try and balance yeah, life as well outside of that. So I had my wife at the time and you kind of go, well, geez, how's this all going to fit together? I've got mm-hmm. to try and earn some money and try and have some social life and try and work. And the days were full. I, I was working s- stupid hours, but it was what I wanted to do. And I had that drive to try and 
get there. Um, so that was a, a really challenging period. And then probably when I finished this storm as well and having a bit of unknown about what was what was next, that was pretty challenging as well. Yeah. Um, and not being at a bit of a crossroads and not knowing what I wanted to do and whether I wanted to continue in pro sport or not. And, yeah, I wasn't wasn't too sure. So that was quite a tough period as well, which took a fair bit of reflection and stopping and thinking about and chats with different people. As, as you and I did at work, yeah. um, talked about different things and different ideas and what we'd experience. Yeah. And so that, we'll, we'll dive into those too. So I'm sure they, there'll be listeners that have gone through both of those, the, those challenges that might be going through it now. So the free work aspect is, is something, it's almost like our apprenticeship, I guess, uh, yeah. for, for the tradies listening in, what you do, your master's, and, and in some, uh, some fields of work, you go straight into a full-time job and, and in others you need to get experience and uh, to a certain degree it makes sense. Like you said at the start, these elite athletes, uh, they're worth a lot of money and they're, what they're doing is at the highest level. So you've got to have experience and be very good at what you do and that, and that takes time to, um, to you know, build that skill set. Um, so you know, how did you juggle that, that, that year? Like are you doing personal training? Are you, you know, working in other industries? Like take us through how you managed to survive, especially living in another country too. Yeah, it was tough. Um, so I just went to work early and I'd PT as early as people would want to train. Yep. Uh, then I'd go to training in the day and then I'd come home again and PT again in the evening. And that was life pretty much. And you yep. sort of had a bit of, bit of social time, a bit of downtime on Saturday afternoon and Sunday. We'd try and sleep in a little bit, <laughs> yep. try and catch up. But yeah, the days were long and... Uh, it was, it was tough. Like you, you kind of grinded through, but luckily I, I couldn't have done it without um, my wife and having the, her support the whole time. She was amazing and realised that it was you know, my dream and what I really, really wanted to do and that I didn't want to give it up. And so she was really supportive. She helped in any way that she could and she knew that that's you know, what I needed to do to, to get there. Um, but it, it's tough because other people who don't understand it, I had family members who just like, Look, mate, it's not going to happen. Mm. Um, give it away. Go and do something else. It's going to earn you some money. And you'll always have people like that in your life that go, oh, mate, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. You're missing birthdays. You're missing parties. You're missing nights out. You're missing this. You're missing that. It's not worth it. You're, not, you're getting paid. You're not doing whatever. But if you've got the bug for it, if you've got the bug to, to work and to be an SSE and it's what you love and it's your passion, then none of that matters and don't let anybody talk you out of it. Because at times it, it can, it can be, that's that absolute easy, easy path to go that way and just go, oh, it's too hard. Put it in the too hard basket, I'll never make it. But you can do that or you can make it happen and you just grind away. And you grind away and just make yourself indispensable to the point that they go, well, we can't not hire him. We can't not employ him. Yeah. This guy's unreal. Yeah. yeah so you've just got to be, you've got to prove yourself indispensable, which is, which is tough because... I don't necessarily agree with free internships and things, but I don't know of another way around it. Because again, there's so many coaches, there's so many people that want to do the same thing. It's the same as players. There's only one position for each player. It's very yeah. difficult. It's almost like your test period, isn't it? How, like you're saying, how, well, how strong is your drive and are you willing to put in the time um, to earn earn your straps, so to speak. Like, oh, at the end of the day, if, like anything, if it, if it was uh, easy, everyone would do it, wouldn't they? So, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's inspiring, mate, and, and, uh, and that drive 
and, and focus uh, has got your wit to where you are. So it's definitely paid off. And those sacrifices that you mentioned from a social point of view, and I think it's important that you mention as well, like your partner having that support uh, definitely can help having people around you that give you um, that support and, and uh, helping you out with your goal. So um, what about the highlights, mate, during your career? What are some, some highlights that stand out for you? Oh, I think the first time I signed my full-time contract was probably the the first one, I was, I still remember where it was and the email came through and I got it and I teared off. I was, I was that wrapped because it was just one of them. You put, you put so much into trying to get there and then when you get recognised and it happens, it's just such a relief. Um, so that, that was a, a huge one. And then I was lucky enough in, you know, in Melbourne to be part of two premierships, which, you know, that, that's what a lot of the time, that's your peak. That's what you're aiming for every year. And yeah, to win two and be fortunate enough to be part of that was um, fantastic. I was so lucky in, in that aspect. Um, I was just part of a great team. And I was, uh, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. They were, they were massive pilots. And, it, it, you know, having experienced the first one, is that what you, you felt like was, was, is what sport's all about for you? Like, is it being part of that success that, that not, not that it's addictive, but that just drives you even stronger to, um, to be a part of that again? Yeah, it does. Um, I think the success is amazing. Um, and I did, I, I really enjoyed the, the winning and the celebrating and yeah, it was fantastic. But I think the, for me, I think I, I get a bigger kick out of seeing people improve. Mm. Um, and so I worked with a, a player a couple of years ago and he, he'd done his ACL for the second time and he was coming back and he, he had a couple of injuries and a couple of setbacks in his ACL and he was at rock bottom. He just wanted to quit. I was, um, over, I'm over footy. I'm just not going to play anymore. I just, I don't want to be here. But I've had enough. And I took him aside and we just, we sat down and we had a big chat and, you know, I just said, look, it's not, it's not the end. I understand that it can seem a really dark place and rehab can be, can be a shocking place. Mm. So we, we just said, look, it's, we'll set some small goals. We'll just keep chipping away at them. We'll keep building and we'll keep building and we'll keep building. And he made his way back and then debuted last year and then played I think, over half the season this season for Storm. And he's yeah. it, fantastic. Uh, and now he's signed a, signed a new deal with a different team, moving on to them. But okay. to, to see him debut and see him play regularly and see him change his life, yeah. that gave me much more satisfaction. And I just loved seeing that happen. Um, and seeing guys coming back and succeed and achieving their goals, yeah, made me really happy that I played a small, only a very small, but I played a small part in helping him do that. Yeah, absolutely, making that impact. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah that was that was really special to see. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's the people side of things and the coaching, which has sort of popped up a few times throughout this um, yeah, podcast. So, is it that aspect that you learned and discovered about yourself and? as the career's grown or did you know going into the field that it's the art of coaching that you're really passionate about is something that you you love uh no i didn't i just liked i just like people i like chatting and being around people yeah but yeah i sort of developed that after and was like, that's why i yeah really enjoy the coaching side of it and being a coach and being there not just standing there and watching people train but being around being a being an energy in the room and hoping that they can feed off me and Get some get some energy off them. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, that's I, I love that side of it. I think that's that's brilliant. It, it's what excites me. It's what I enjoy. It's what I enjoy to edge do. It doesn't matter who the person is in front of you. If you can motivate them and 
have some fun and make them enjoy it and motivate yep. them. Great. Because then you can just see people improving. You see people getting better, see people achieving their goals. And yeah, that gives me a real kick of helping other people. Yep. And then going back to your, to the second challenge that you, you, you mentioned um, where with the, with the COVID cuts, um, your role being redundant and, and working out what you're doing next with, with you and your family, um, no doubt there'd be some SNCs that have gone through that experience where you've got to think about what am I doing next? Um, did you have doubts that elite sport would be you're back in the game now? Or did you have doubts that elite sport might not might be closed that door? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I thought I thought it was really. Um, I didn't didn't think I'd probably go back into it. I just thought it's uh, it'll be too hard to get back in. And we, my um, wife and I, just had our second baby, and I was thinking, well, it's such a huge time commitment. Mm. Do I want to go back in? Um, do I want to have the better work-life balance? Mm. Because in the past, I definitely haven't had that. Work's come first and family sort of come second. And But it's one of those, I think if you've got the bug for it and you've got that desire and drive to get back in and that's the environment you love to be in, I don't think I could have stayed away, really. I think I'd have just, if I hadn't tried to get back in, I'd have ended up being, I wouldn't have been happy, I don't think, Yeah, necessarily. It's what I love to do and it's what I love to be. Yeah, and it, and for, for those listening that have gone through that process, did you change your um, approach, like that development approach that you have where you, you have your mentors? Did any of that stuff change or did you just sort of you stick with that, that approach of that get better plan that you, that you do? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Again, I, I spoke to a lot of people and then just sort of changed my focus on what I was speaking about. Um, so when the, the event interview came up to Western Force, I spoke to a lot of different people about uh, rugby because I hadn't, Worked in rugby, and I've said played, but hadn't worked in union before. Mm-hmm. So I spoke to a lot of people about that, and then I spoke to a lot of senior people as well about the interview process because it's a it's, it's a difficult one, and everyone looks for different things. And the overarching view was very different to what I initially planned. Right, and that has uh, I I'd initially planned very nuts and bolts of going into the detail of the program and this and that and you know, putting out what example plans and programs and, um, and someone made the point and go, well, you probably have one SSC coach in there, but you'll probably have a footy manager in there. You'll probably have some welfare staff in there. You might have an HR person in there. You might have a coach in there. So of all those people, you're essentially interviewing to one person, mm. which is important. You, you know, your interviews there to performance, but you're boring the pants off other people. Yeah. Generally, if you get in an interview, people know you know your stuff. You've either met someone before and chatted with them, they've seen you, they've, they've spoken to other people who've worked with you in the, in the past, and they just want to see, are you a good person? What do you like as a person? What do you like on your best day? What do you like on your worst day? What do you like as a person? What are they going to get if they employ you? Yeah. And I think that, that changed. Yeah. So I get, that was from a lot of people. And so I changed my presentation a fair bit on yeah. what I originally planned. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, there's two things there, to, to trust your mentors that strongly and, and take their advice in a high-pressured situation is, is a testament to you and, and, um, and then to, to um, apply it as well um, is something that obviously you've done throughout your whole career and it's, it's worked well to make you a well-rounded coach. Um, but also for, the, for those listening in, um, you know, I guess if you've only, only go off your view and your preparation, you might be a bit blinded, can't you, in a situation where if you lean on others, yeah, 
you've got better sort of uh, perspective if, if you haven't been experienced in that position before. Mm. Um, and you mentioned uh, uh, going over the detail. I still had it in there. I still had it in, just at the end. So I finished my presentation, I had it in. So if they wanted to see it, it was there. It was prepared. Yeah. yeah. But I had my first kind of seven or eight slides of about me, but then the nuts and bolts and the detail was there if it was required. And they, you know, they were the sort of people that did want it. And you had the head of performance and another SNC coach in there. And they went, no, no, we want to see the detail. What, have you, what about your program? Yeah. yeah. I can talk to that. Yeah. But make sure, I'm just making sure I was covered across both. Right. Okay. So there's a fair bit of preparation that you put into it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 the role that you're doing now. T- talk us through um, the uh, the job and and what your main role is at the club. So the, the the roles for strength, power, and rehab at Western Force Rugby Union WA. So yep. just moved to Perth. Yep. And yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. It's, uh, they've got a good team. Uh, we've got a great staff team. I uh, met them a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. I'm, very excited to get started and hopefully make some big, big dints in the competition this year. Yeah, absolutely, mate. We'll, we'll go to the, the, the personal side now that we've touched on the, the career journey. Um, so this is a bit of a lighter side of the podcast, mate, but if we get to know you and we'll have a bit of fun with it. But uh, first one, which movie or TV series has impacted you the most and why? Well, that's a tough one. Uh, generally, I just watch comedies. Um, so I suppose you can, you can pick up whatever you want from them. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, I'd say, I'd say recently, uh, from one I've watched, I watched Ted Lasso on Apple TV. And whilst that's, again, is a comedy, some of the underlying messages that are there about the individualization of players, um, there's a scene where he gives a book to each player and right. it's individualized about them and going that extra yard to get to know your players and find out what makes them tick. Mm. And so it's still little lessons from that that you can you can deal with and how to uh, yeah how to get players on side and make sure that you're appealing to them you're not just giving a blanket approach to everybody yeah. or listening to the person in front of you not just trying to do your way because everyone's different and learns in a different way yeah yeah it's a real art form isn't it that in a group setting when you've got that many athletes yeah. to manage like yeah um, uh, with going back to your role now on that, like, what's your support network in the gym? How many coaches will you have with you on the floor? Uh, I'll have as many as I can because I think, why not? But if they're in there, they've got a coach. I don't just want people standing around holding a coffee and just wasting time. If you're in there, I want people to coach and genuinely trying to get players better and improve mm-hmm. what they're doing. So making sure that they're executing, if they're, whatever their lifts are doing, they're doing it well and doing them safely and doing it with intent. If they're doing their plyos, same thing, and ripping in at going as hard as they can and trying to get the maximum out of each, each rep. Um, and so, yeah, I want people to be in there and, and coaching, whether that's S&Cs, whether that's physios, whatever it is. But, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's not there for a conversation time. Yeah. It's there to get the work done. Love it. So what about the next one here? Favourite inspirational quote or life motto? Uh, probably got two. Uh, you get out what you put in. And then the harder you work, the luckier you get. Yeah. And that's what I tend to think about and when times are tough just go gee things will change can't work this hard and things not change so just yeah. staying optimistic and uh, I think I'm a pretty optimistic person and I think that is what helps me get through when times are difficult going things will change and things will get better and whatever it is but uh, yeah the harder you work the luckier you get yeah and in your work life what, what makes you angry what are your pet peeves well, I think 
respect from people. Um, I think respect goes both ways. And I'm willing to give anyone a chance and I'll, I'll help anyone out. Uh, but I think they've got to show a certain level of respect back and effort. If they're not willing to try and work hard, when I've put everything into what I'm doing for them, that really annoys me. Because mm. I'll, I'll always give everything I've got to try and prep the best, make sure they've got whatever they need going forward um, to get them as good as they can be. But in doing that, I'll expect some pretty hard work from them back from that as well. Um, yep. And in the professional arena, then if they can't do that, then you kind of question why they're there. And you go, well, what are you doing? Mm. You want to be working hard, you want to be improving. So yeah, they're, they're two just kind of, that, yeah, it can tick me off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I understand that. And then what, what's your favourite way to spend your day off? Uh, golf, mate. <laughs> yeah. Again, that, that ties into optimism. Well, every time I step onto the tee, I think this is going to be the day that everything turns around and this is the day I'm going to be wonderful. All in the one. And then it just slices off the knob and goes straight into the trees every time. No good. But I'm eternally optimistic that one day it will change and it will improve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And your favourite holiday destination and why? Oh, favourite holiday? I reckon uh, probably Ibiza. Um, I haven't been for a long time, but that used to be my week to just blow off steam, go there, dance, drink, um, and just, yeah, enjoy for a week. Uh, yeah, so that, that would probably be my – I've got very fond memories of being there. Yep. But, yeah, I reckon that would probably be my response. Okay, mate, and we'll start to wrap it up, mate. Thanks so much for, for your time sharing your, your journey um, as an athlete coach. Uh, I don't think we've had someone on that's been pro at both, both of those, so it's been a special episode, mate, and good to have uh, you on as well and, and reconnect and, and share your story. What, what are you excited about for the rest of 2021? What's on the horizon for you? I know you're settled in, Poops and Finn and, and Taryn now in the, in the new home of Perth on the, the West Coast, COVID-free life. All us Melbournians tuning in are, are very jealous. Uh, yeah, what's on the horizon for you, mate? Oh, I think it's, it's just starting with a new team, starting the new program. Um, I'm yeah, very excited for that and for, for ripping in with this group of players and, and seeing what we can do. Um, I think the Western Force have got a, got a big chance this year to do something pretty good and turn some heads. So I'm excited to be part of that and hopefully again play my, play my part in making it happen. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt you will. You'll be an asset to the team, mate. When does the preseason start? Uh, we kick off 1st of November. Ah, oh, cool. Not the far away. Yeah, yeah. very Not excited. Away. And then season, when's the first game? Uh, it starts in Feb. Yep. So we've got a little run into Christmas, a couple of weeks off, and then, yeah, a short period after that. Then we're off. Fantastic. Awesome. It's going to be good, mate. Looking forward to it. Very as good. As well as getting around Perth and it's still getting used to not wearing a mask. It's quite strange. Oh, I can only imagine. I'm looking forward to that problem. <laughs> uh, awesome, mate. Well, thanks for tuning in. And thanks for everyone tuning in as well. And um, our next episode will be with Pitt Taylor and next week, the dietitian. Um, I will post on our Instagram when that is. But thanks for everyone tuning in. Any um, final words, mate? Oh, no, thank you very much for having me, mate. It's the first podcast I've ever done. I've been part of So thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Enjoy. My pleasure. Cheers, guys. All right, take care, mate. We'll speak soon. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content such as a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian at the Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? 
Oh, this one is always, uh, I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game changes, yeah, game changes, whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because yeah. sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for. Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with Academy member Rama Davies, the friendly conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome, Rama, to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And, yeah, thanks, um, thanks Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my, my question to you was you spoke a, a, quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat, um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did uh, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm. Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it yeah it certainly yeah has been massive for me now, and and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts doing a, a journal every day just a bit to say what I'm grateful for sort of three things. And um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to, yeah, like reset and, and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about, you know, that there is more to life than football or, you know, might be whatever as an SNC coach, you know, if something's if you're having a hard time, um, it can be massive with just, yeah, opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that, in that work bubble. Um, yeah. So that's, that's been huge. Um, I think I wish back then when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then and, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things and, um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker, um, and yeah. and yeah, like just yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes.
Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review, or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.